Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. I do podcast episode nine. Welcome to IDoPodcast.com, where fun and inspiring relationship experts, therapists, and couples share tips and advice that will help lead you to a fulfilling and happy relationship. Let their guidance illuminate your path to happiness. Are you ready to create lasting love? And now, your hosts, Chase and Sarah. We're very excited to introduce our guest today, Dr. Pepper Swartz. Hi, Dr. Pepper. Hi. 
Hi, nice to be here. Dr. Pepper Schwartz is a sex and relationship expert and has written 16 books on the dating habits and sensuality of couples and singles. She earned a BA and an MA from Washington University in St. Louis and an MA and a PhD in sociology from Yale University. Her mission is to improve the lives of aging boomers and the age 15 plus audience by enhancing their relationships and offering counsel on everything from sex and health issues to communication and dating in midlife and beyond. We've given our listeners just a little overview. So take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, I've been a professor at the University of Washington for a long time. And um, I teach courses on intimate relationships there and on sexuality. And I've come to feel through my research and, of course, over a lifespan, that there's really nothing more important than a good relationship. That it's the foundation of everything else you do. And if it goes well, it's your strength. If it goes badly, it's your weakness. So for me, that's enough reason to spend my time studying it and talking about it. I love it. And and I I can't wait to get into our topic today of a secret to a happy long-term relationship, the secret to a happy long-term relationship. And in your article, or secrets, we should say. In your article, you mentioned each couple has their own unique recipe for a happy and lasting relationship, but there are five essential ingredients you have noticed over the years. Can you start us off by first listing those five, and then we can get a little bit more into detail? Oh, I think you better list them for me. Because I'll, <laughs> we, I'll, I'll, I'll inevitably forget one. We, we got them the right here. Respect. Yes. Yeah, you got them. Mm-hmm. You say them, I'll comment. Okay. So I'll just list the five, and then we can go into a little more, more detail of them. And so the first one we have is the ability to apologize. The next one is a little respect, a lot of affection. A measure of novelty and plenty of gratitude. Well, I'll stand by those. I think they are the essential things for a relationship. If you want to start um, at the top, um, if you can't apologize, you're doomed. (laughs) You really are. Because we're all going to do things that we either didn't mean, um, didn't intend, or if we did, it was in the heat of anger and it's not our best selves and we want to you know, own up to that and change. If if you can never apologize, nothing can ever heal. And you wouldn't certainly want that from someone else. So it's essential. Um, the next thing I think was, was it respect was respect. the next one? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you know, part of, part of being a human being to other human beings is to accord them respect. Um, I love the, uh, the uh, Buddhist phrase that, uh, they use often in yoga classes, um, not so much namaste, thank you, but namaste meaning um, the divinity in me uh, recognizes the divinity in you. And and what that's saying, you know, that's in a spiritual way, but, but it is at least if we accord that to every human being on the planet, we should especially accord it to the person we love and who loves us, that we never misuse their dignity We never act to them as if they're unworthy. Um, We don't say cutting things. We don't dismiss them. Um, When people get angry, they're very likely to do that. 
and uh, it, it, it should be a golden rule that never gets broken. And of course, back to the first thing, if you do break it, apologize immediately, that helps. Mm-hmm. And then I think the third thing was affection. Yep. And uh, we all need it. We need a lot of grooming. I don't know if you ever noticed animals. I just saw a lecture on wolves the other day, and they do an enormous amount of licking and grooming and and, and touching each other. And, and I think it's a mammalian quality. We need to be touched. We need to be shown that we're loved. We need to have body contact. Um, that kind of affection is a... Is a, is a balm. It, it helps heal a lot also, and it also reassures us that we're loved because a lot of times people get angry and nasty with one another because they don't feel loved enough, and you have to want to make sure that someone does feel that way. And let's see, the other two were... A measure of novelty is the next one. That's the least expected one, I think, of the list, but it's really very important. That is to say, you don't want to bore each other out of the relationship. And there's been some studies that show when couples took uh, one of three things to make their relationship better. They either did an activity they know and love, they went to couples counseling, or they did something new that neither one of them knew, but they learned together. That the couples who did the last one, the new things, were the ones that got the best scores at the end of this in terms of, you know, affection, healing, communication, etc. It seems that novelty brings us together like nothing else. And would you suggest maybe scheduling that or doing something like that once a week? Or how often would you suggest doing an activity like that? Well, sometimes it's hard to do it as much as once a week, but it could be in a little way, like trying a new restaurant instead of an old one, taking a new path and finding your way somewhere in the city that you haven't been before. Um, or it could be something bigger, like taking a class together, learning Italian together. And, you know, if it isn't fun, you don't continue. But at least you're sitting there trying to test each other with the words and things like that. And it's a new addition to your life. It's something new to talk about. I mean, we do run out of things to talk about sometimes if we're not doing new things. You know, yes, we can talk about our day, which is always, in a sense, a definition new. But but if there's something really new to us where we're... It's innovative. We're thinking about it. We're trying. We're talking about it. It's something we share, and it makes it better. makes It makes us more interesting to one another. Yeah, it's like a, a shared experience, and I think being able to share something, even if you've been together for a while, it's something new and exciting. Yeah, and you can make even in very young relationships, people get bored pretty quickly. I mean, you know, a year doesn't sound like a long time, but it is a long time. You know, <laughs> we've been together five years. And so there are certain topics that come up again and again and stories that are repeated and things like that, which is fine. That's the way all couples are. But you want to counteract that with some new stuff, too. The last bullet point was plenty of gratitude, which I feel that we hear that a lot when we're talking with experts like you, that gratitude is, is very important for a successful relationship. Well, it really is. We all want to be acknowledged and thanked. You know, it's one thing to just do something sweet like do the dishes when you weren't expected to or say, no, don't get up, I'll do it, that kind of thing. But, you know, if we don't get enough gratitude along the way, we start to feel used as opposed to appreciated. And we need to feel like someone recognizes the things we do for them. And I think in general, gratitude for, you know, the good lives we have or the good moments we have to share, first of all, it makes you feel better. To feel gratitude is a very calming happy way to feel. Um, it's, it's a passionate way to feel, actually. And to be given gratitude is extremely both 
validating, which we all need, even from our long-term partner. And it's also something that makes us want to do things again. If you don't give gratitude, the things that someone does to you will diminish, and then they'll disappear. And then that robs a relationship of a lot. So, you know, it's essential. These, these five things that I mentioned are not optional. They really aren't. They're very, very important. Yeah, for a successful relationship. And, and if you don't have the gratitude, you don't feel appreciated. And if you don't feel appreciated, then why are you with that other person? Yeah, and you start to extinguish the things you did. Okay, I won't clean up or I won't make dinner or I, I won't stop by and pick up something for him or her that I knew she'd like. And you know, I'm not going to offer back rubs or foot rubs anymore and stuff. And pretty soon the relationship gets denuded of the things that cause, the, you know, that give affection, that give respect, all those things that we've talked about just before this. Um, and then you do think, like, why am I here? What, is it, what, what are we doing here? Yeah, and I, and I love the five essential ingredients, how we boil it down so it's easy for people to remember and apply them to their relationships. So I just want to go over them one time. The first one is the ability to apologize. Second one, a little respect. You mentioned namaste, and uh, I like Aretha Franklin and <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. If you're, in, if you're into that kind of music, that'll help you remember. And third one, uh, a lot of affection. Then a measure of novelty, try something new, keep it exciting. And lastly, but not least, plenty of gratitude. So really love those five things that our listeners can apply to their relationship. Thank you. So with your experience uh, with relationships and, and counseling, what's one of the biggest reasons couples struggle in their relationship? Well, I think the biggest reason they struggle is is they're not having effective communication. They're not hearing each other well, or they're not listening well. They don't explore what each other means. They get into power struggles over who did what or who's responsible for what or, you know, blame and things like that, where they don't go a deeper level of communication is, you know, you did X, why did you do X? Or what, what, why was that meaningful to you that I did that? Or why are you upset? Or why are you angry? Or here's why I'm angry. I mean, you know, instead of just acting it, trying to understand it. And if people don't understand it, things keep being repeated. Um, uh, insults that they don't know they're making keep happening. Uh, so the struggles are really over, you know, who's right? Um, why did something happen? You did this. I did that. You know, it, it, it requires getting into the why and what does it make you feel like and how do we change this and, and or how do you accept this? I mean, those are the levels of communication you have to get. Otherwise, everything's just a power struggle and people are, are not feeling known and loved and understood. Do you have any recommended exercises or, or way to deal with that or to help people improve their communication skills? Well, I think when you feel a angry or frustrated feeling, mention it and ask the next question in a way that doesn't put someone on the defensive. So if somebody didn't put away the milk again and you see it there and instead of saying, I can't believe you didn't put the milk away again, you say, you know, you, you, you forget the milk some of the time and um, I'm afraid it'll go bad. And I'm just wondering why that's, you know, why that's something you forget and if there's anything I can do to make it something that's easier to remember. 
So, you know, you're noticing that something's a problem and you're saying that it's not something you like, but you're trying to figure out together how to make it better. And you take your part in it to say, how can we fix this? Because he would probably, or she would probably realize, you say that, you know, probably it isn't a good thing to put the, you know, leave the the milk out. It needs to be refrigerated. And it's a small little thing, but you know, life is made up of little things that if you don't, um, if you don't deal with them, you, what's left is the frustration of somebody doing something you don't like. Love it. And communication comes up with a lot of the people we have on every time. It's such an important part of a relationship. And then I love how you mention how to communicate, though. So it, it's not just about communicating, but your tone. And, and you mentioned not putting the other person on the defensive. I think that's something I try to do a better job of when you communicate to not make the other person feel like you're attacking them. Yeah, I mean, these are lifelong challenges, really. I mean, we're all going to do the wrong things at, at different points. You can be married 50 years and and still not have a handle on this stuff. But if you know what you should do, you can go back to rule number one, apologize, and then reframe it. You know, like, you know, I didn't mean to yell at you about the milk again. You know, I know that that's annoying and and it and who who wants to be to be yelled at? I shouldn't do it, and I'm sorry. Here's here's what I'm trying to fix, and then you can go on. There does seem to be a rule, by the way. I'll just throw it in that if you apologize right away or as soon as possible, it's hugely effective, much more effective than if you wait a long time to apologize. So there's apologies immediately that kind of fix it immediately, and there's apologies later that still leave some lingering feeling. Still better to do, but if you can do it right away when you recognize yourself doing the wrong thing, it's really a good thing to do. That's interesting. So instead of maybe thinking about it and thinking about how you're going to say something so you don't say the wrong thing, maybe you should just apologize and not get it over with, but address it immediately versus waiting to do it until you know what to say. Yeah. I mean, you may need to think about, you know, what the answer is, you know, the the long-term fixes to the issue, but in the beginning when you've used the wrong tone, for example, you've snapped at somebody, you've addressed them with disrespect, um, and you hear it in your voice and you know you're doing the wrong thing, but you couldn't help it, then if you could rectify that immediately, it would be a very good thing to do. Now we are going into the his and her round where Sarah and I ask a question that's on our minds. I'm up first, and I wanted to talk about sex and in relationships. We haven't really talked about it, but I know that's that's your one of your specialties. And being a young couple, I was wondering what the biggest issue with sex in a relationship is for younger couples and then how uh, it can be addressed. Well, generally it is a lack of a, a gap in in desire. That is to say one person wants more sex than the other and they have some idea in their head about what's normal for their age and they aren't being wanted as much as they want to be wanted and they aren't getting as much sex as they want to get and one partner is resentful. You know, whoever wants it more is resentful because they're feeling frustrated and the person who wants it less is feeling resentful because they don't like to be pushed and they don't like to be made feel as if something's wrong with them. So, you know, it takes, again, a kind of communication to talk about, well, what can we live with here? What's a good compromise? 
you know, I'm not so interested at three times a week. Um, but, you know, I could do two times a week if we had a nice dinner before and maybe a glass of wine and you talk more affectionately to me and you didn't just turn over in the bed and say, okay, let's do it. Um, you know, here's, here's what it would take for me to get close to what you want, and, but it wouldn't be quite as much as you want. And that's the kind of conversation that people need to make if, unless somebody is way, way different. Like, you know, one person wants it once, you know, every two weeks, the other person wants it three times a week. And sometimes that requires a therapeutic third person to help interpret each other to each other and try and kind of come up with an answer. But if it, the gap's not too large, that's usually the, the thing that has to happen to talk about it and figure out a way to make it a little bit less of a gap. My question is is kind of a follow-up question of what you just said. And you said, what's normal for your age? So I know every couple is different, but is there a recommended amount or something, you know, an, <laughs> not a recommended amount, but an amount that you recommend for a healthy relationship? Well, you know, it really depends on the people and how much sex drive they have. You know, just like people have different appetites for food, somebody, you know, is happy with, you know, two beans and a, you know, a apple or something. Uh, the other person wants, you know, three-course meal, and that, just in terms of eating food, I mean, that's a big difference, and, and, and each of those desires is normal for the person who has it, you know? So normal is, if we look at normal, you know, in my book, The Normal Bar, The Surprising Secrets of Happy Couples, we're talking about your normal, not like a 98.6 normal, like what's normal for you as opposed to some standard that may work in health, but not so much in interaction. And, you know, the the interesting thing is more the gap in terms of what the difference between the two people rather than what somebody out there might be having sex every day and neither of you wants it, you know, so what, what do you care? And what I would say is with young couples, you also depends how long they've been together. You know, for example, if they cohabited before they got married or if they've been living together a long time or not. Novelty, which goes back to earlier conversations, is often what turns people on. And that doesn't mean they don't continue to have a hunger for each other, but the research shows that the honeymoon year is much more active than the years that follow. You know, and it ranges over a life cycle. Yes, there's an age and duration situation, Two, three times a week is, is not unknown for young couples. Um, after people have been together 10 years um, and they're a bit older, it usually goes down to two and then over time down to one and then every now and then scattered. As people get a lot older, it's not unusual for people to have sex a couple times a month. That doesn't mean they're they're unhappy. It just means that's kind of the way the relationship is going. So I really think if people get out of the gee, I'm X age, I should have X amount of sex to, you know, how often do we want each other? What makes it more, what what are the atmospheres we need to have sexual intimacy? Um, if it's different for you and me, how do we produce something that pleases us both? And get out of the numbers game. Now, what I would say is if you're not, if couples aren't having sex, you know, every couple weeks at all, um, that usually is telling me that something's not cooking well with it, one or both of them, and they're not happy about it. Um, you know, and I, I just think sex is a really important bond between people and that it's, if it starts to, to, to diminish, um, too soon, 
um, or disappear or really frustrate somebody, um, it may not have been a problem, but it will become a problem and it will become a real um, difficulty, particularly for the person who is really, truly not happy with how much sex they're not getting. What advice do you normally give couples that are coming across that issue? Maybe one person is wanting it more and then the other. Is there any advice that you give them specifically for that? Well, it's it's really hard to give it, you know, in the little time that mm-hmm. we have right. here. Um, but, but what I would say is that, again, go back to the kind of communication skills you have, you know, put it in a positive light. You know, I desire you so much. I love you so much. This sex to me is one of the ways that I show and receive love. Um, I know it, it seems to be less important to you. What what can we do to produce some more of that that I need without making you feel like I'm I'm pushing you in a way that isn't authentic to you? But this is so important to me. What can we do? And make it a joint problem to solve. And don't blame anybody. Just it's a difference between you. And it's important to both of you that you come up with something that feels natural and good. You know, I mean, one of the couples I've often heard somebody say, well, I would feel more like it if you were did X, Y, and Z. You know, you come in, you don't kiss me hello, you don't help around the kitchen, um, you know, you don't help with the kids. Um, I'm tired and angry by, you know, 9 o'clock and I don't feel like it. So, okay, if that's where it comes from, you know, then he does help with the kids and he does you know, give her affection at the door. And he does make sure that she feels like she's loved and taken care of and that she's not handling this household alone. Or maybe he's he's really been battered or she's been battered at the office and the other person needs to help them relax and feel loved and taken care of and switch the frame of what's happening between them, have a glass of wine, put the kids together early, get a lock on the door, whatever it requires um, to do, um, I think is... It's it's not just sex. It's the entire context of it. It's the mood you came in and the mood you have to get to. And if people can just talk about all that, then they might be able to have a more sexually fulfilling life together. I love it. And a lot of the things that we talk about come down to communication and sex in a relationship uh, seems to be a similar thing. So, And I would say a certain amount of honesty, too, but kind honesty. Honesty. I mean, let's just take a tough one. Let's say you've been married for a long time, but you really don't like the way your partner kisses and you're avoiding their kisses. You've got to say, let's try a different way. You know, we have a different kissing style. Not yours is bad, but we have a different kissing style. And I would love to be kissed this way because if you don't ever bring it up and address it, then all it'll do is get worse. And it could be some other sexual technique. But the fact is, this is your, you're, you're trying for a lifetime with this person and just trying to flatter their ego all the time or not have bring up the hard stuff is not going to help. Sarah hasn't told me that I'm a bad kisser yet, so <laughs> I'll, I'll just go with that. I'm, that I'm doing okay. No, no, you got it wrong. It's not a bad kisser. It's a different type of kisser. Uh, There's no bad There you go. Kiss. There's only matching your style. Okay. Well, my style must be okay. <laughs> and we're happy to hear it. Well, now it's time for our favorite part of the interview, the lasting love round. We'll ask you a series of questions and you'll respond with information to help set the foundation for a lasting relationship. We love it. Our listeners love it. So, Dr. Pepper, are you ready to help us build lasting love? 
Absolutely, of course. Yes. All right. Well, I'll start first. What's one thing couples can do on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Hold hands. Just holding hands brings you together and makes you feel better about the relationship. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for couples? Well, of course, I recommend my <laughs> book, The Normal by the Secrets, Surprising Secrets of Happy Couples. But there's also uh, John Gottman, the psychologist, has a lot of good books on communication, which I recommend. Great. Well, we'll put uh, we'll put your recommended books on your show notes page, and our listeners can find that at idopodcast.com. Great. We're getting married this year. Is there any advice you would give engaged couples or newlyweds? Uh, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't get into, I have to have this kind of flowers or I have to have that kind of couch. Uh, those are the things that people often get into the worst fights about. And, you know, really, as someone else said, uh, those are first world problems. Don't, don't make your life difficult with stuff that really doesn't matter. Love it. If you could give just one single piece of advice for a successful relationship, what would it be? Commit yourself to showing as much love as often as you can. If you give each other a lot of love and appreciation and the things that we've talked about, it'll, it, it can't protect you from everything. There's a lot of things that happen in life that stress relationships, but when people feel truly loved for who they are from someone they respect, it, it makes it likely that the relationship will go the distance. Well, we've really enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. Let's finish by telling us where our listeners can find you, and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, they can go to drpepperschwartz.com, and um, I will be happy to hear from them there. Um, I actually also am on aarp.org slash couples where I answer people's questions. And while that's for uh, people over 50, I get a lot of people finding me there for just because they want me to answer their questions. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And we want to thank you again so much for taking the time to coming on our show and for your generous knowledge. Thank you. It was fun being here. Are you interested in learning five ways to improve your relationship on a daily basis? How about five tips for engaged couples or newlyweds? This information and more is our free gift to you when you go to idopodcast.com and subscribe to our mailing list. Thank you so much for joining us today on I Do Podcast. Head on over to idopodcast.com for full recaps of every show, relationship resources, tips, and advice. Your path to a successful and lasting relationship awaits you. Are you ready to create lasting love? listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com